Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my co-host, Hank and Dichter. This is the season finale of our Facebook live streams here on Review and Preview Sports. We have an action-packed show in store for everybody here tonight. Before we dive into anything, make sure to go follow us on all of our social media platforms on Big Blue Avenue, at Instagram, Twitter, or our YouTube channel. We've been posting daily videos about the New York Giants and providing all sorts of content for you guys on the football team so that you're up to date with all the transactions that have been taking place. Uh, Hank, first off, how are you doing tonight? And... It's crazy. The season finale is already here. First off, Tom, I'm doing pretty good. And second of all, season finale, can't believe it. It's been a long and physically and emotionally draining season as Giant fans. But you know what? I'm slowly starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to the next step. But... As far as that goes, there's there's still a long way to go before we can talk about, you know, you know, I'm not even going to say it. You know what I'm you know what I mean? How's it going, Tom? As always, how's it going, my man? It's going great. We're repping old school tonight. I got LT on. Hank has Michael Strahan on. Folks, if you have any comments for us, feel free to drop them in the comments section. Any questions you have regarding the New York football giants now. The first topic on our agenda for this evening is Patrick Graham leaves for the Las Vegas Raiders. And you may have seen this in a video that we put out earlier last week. Patrick Graham has decided to rejoin Josh McDaniels, whom he served with in New England. He will be the Raiders defensive coordinator, a defense that features the likes of Max Crosby and among others. So, A little upset that Patrick Graham left, but I'm quite happy with who our replacement was for him, Hank. But definitely will be missed. I know a lot of people complain this year that the defense was too bend but don't break. Sometimes it was a little too soft with the adjusting of the scheme. But you got to remember the Giants lost two key players at two premium positions on the defense. And Patrick Graham still got a lot out of his guys. And you saw that a lot in 2020 when we had rookies as our starting edge rushers. Yeah, Graham was definitely one of the few bright spots of the the 2021 coaching staff. Definitely a loss, but again, all things considered, I think despite that, things worked out well for a few reasons. One, he got to reunite with one of his old buddies and Josh McDaniels. So best of luck to him in Las Vegas. I hope he does well there. But at the end of the day, even though I find no fault with what Patrick Graham or little to no fault with what Patrick Graham did whatsoever with regards to the New York giants. I think things worked out in the end because I'm very happy to have Wink Martindale as the replacement. And, you know, look at the end of the day, as much as you hate to see Graham go, at least, at least Dable gets to build up his coaching staff to people he wants and, He's upgraded. He's upgraded it to a great mix of people. Got a lot of his former Buffalo guys. And then you also have one one man from Kansas City, and then another from a team whose defense over the past few years, well, even beyond the past few years, they've been historically good. And Martindale, you had to think, has had a big hand with 
how good the Ravens have been over the course of the past decade plus. He has. And with Wink Martindale, you're going to get very aggressive defensive play style. Uh, Wink Martindale was named the new defensive coordinator on Tuesday morning. Ladies and gentlemen, the Giants also interviewed the likes of Jim Schwartz, Sean Desai from the Chicago Bears, Steve Wilkes, who's currently the D.C. at Missouri, and Terrell Austin, who got promoted to the Steelers' defensive coordinator spot. So he was quickly erased off the list. But some backlog on Wink. Don Martindale parted ways with the Ravens after four seasons as their defensive coordinator and 10 years with the football team. He previously was their linebackers coach from 2012 to 2017. So his first year was the year they won the Super Bowl. That was Ray Lewis's last year in the NFL. That's when the Ravens beat the 49ers in that blackout-themed Super Bowl. Martindale and the team parted ways on January 21st after the two sides couldn't reach an agreement on a one-year extension through 2023. And we already discussed this in the video. Wink Martindale was not fired. That's what the media headlines said. They parted ways because the two sides couldn't reach an agreement. It was a mutual agreement to part ways. That wasn't Wink Martindale getting fired. Now, did John Harbaugh, you know, kind of give him an ultimatum? That we don't know. It's a fair argument to say he was fired, but I'm not going to come out and say that Wink Martindale was fired because simply it wasn't true. There's a lot of conflicting reports. A lot say that the team parted ways because he was due for an extension and they just didn't extend him. His contract was up. So more backlog on Martindale. He has experience that goes beyond the Baltimore Ravens. He was the Broncos defensive coordinator in 2010. We all remember that infamous playoff game where Tim Tebow connected with Demarius Thomas to upset the Pittsburgh Steelers. Martindale was the D.C. for that team. And he was their linebackers coach in 2009. So he's a lot of experience with linebackers. And he's definitely a good player, uh, well, good coach for this giant staff. And, Hank, he previously coached for the Raiders where he got his NFL coaching start. He was their linebackers coach spanning from 2004 to 2008. So Wink has been in the NFL for 18 years now. And with a young head coach in Brian Dable and an even younger offensive coordinator in Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale was definitely my first or second option for this position, and I'm glad we have an experienced mind on our coaching staff. Yeah, my first was Fangio, but there is no way I can be upset with this hiring whatsoever. You get a good blend of youth and experience on the coaching staff, and if you're going to hire somebody as a defensive coordinator, you need somebody with experience because – you didn't just lose a defensive coordinator with Patrick Graham. You lost your assistant head coach. And I truly believe that when the when the coming season co- goes, I think, Tom, you can agree with me on this too. There's no question Wink is getting the assistant head coaching job at this point. I would guess the same thing. I think Wink should be the assistant head coach because Wink also interviewed for the Giants head coaching vacancy in 2020. That eventually went to Joe Judge, and reportedly Wink was pretty upset that he did not get the Giants' job. Um, But looking at his defense with the Ravens over the past four years, obviously this season they ranked 25th in the NFL, which is not good. But granted, the Ravens were without two of their starting cornerbacks and Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. 
So right then and there, Baltimore was thin. They also lost Derek Wolf to a season-ending injury. So that Ravens defense was decimated with injuries throughout the course of that season. This is the first time his defense finished outside the top 10 in the NFL since being their defensive coordinator. In 2018, Baltimore had the number one defense in the National Football League. In 2019, they were ranked fourth. In 2020, they were ranked seventh. So top seven, three of his four years as D.C., not bad. And this was a guy, Hank. He was linked to Brian Dable during the interviewing process. His name kept being dropped. Um, And I can see why they brought him in. He's known for his ultra-aggressive style. And the Ravens ranked amongst the highest blitzing teams in the NFL um, the blitz frequency rate for Baltimore over the past few years is higher than any other team in the NFL. 2019 in particular, they blitzed over 54% of their defensive snaps. Blitz City right there. Blitz City. And when you blitz a lot, what do you need? You need a good secondary. What's the giant strength on their defense? A good secondary, which will allow you to blitz. And I think the biggest beneficiaries from this Wink Martindale hiring are three players, Dory Jackson, Aaron Robinson, and Aziz Ojolari. Why? Well, Ojolari had eight sacks in a press man scheme this season as a rookie. Aaron Robinson, press man corner. That's why we drafted him in the third round. Dory Jackson, same thing, very aggressive. James Bradbury, more of a soft coverage type of corner. He is a cut ca- casualty potentially heading into this offseason, as much as we hate to say that. But with this Wink Martindale edition, I am not mad at all. My first choice also would have been Vic Fangio. I would have preferred to have had him, but Wink Martindale, this isn't an option number two for me. This is an option 1B, to be honest with you. Um, I like the hiring a lot. I think he will be named the assistant head coach because he is experienced, and I'm happy he's ours. But I will miss Patrick Graham a lot. I will say that. All right. Hank, you got anything to add on that before I plug our comments here? No, I think you pretty much nailed it right on the head. Great replacement. Sad to see Graham go, but somehow you still upgraded. Not bad. It's a win. Not bad at all. I'm really happy with where this coaching staff is right now. Comments from Deanna Karens, Go Big Blue with the blue heart there. Thank you very much. Uh That is the lady commenting in the comment section, as you can see uh, my face in her profile picture. So very, very special uh, person of mine. Uh, Steve Ellis, I heard Wilkes is back with the Panthers. I heard that as well. Um, Good, good for Steve Wilkes. I'm glad we interviewed him. I definitely, he was probably my third option after Wink and Fangio. Um, I wasn't big on Sean Desai or Jim Schwartz because Schwartz has been fired a lot throughout the course of his career. And Sean Desai, I think, was too new and too young for me to really trust. So, yeah, hopefully Wilkes can help out Matt Rule in Carolina because that defense is struggling. Schwartz I probably could have lived with, but it's not a hire that would have left me enthusiastic. That said, he still did a decent job when he was defensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, absolutely. He did do a good job as D.C., um, but at the same time, I think Wilkes um, was a head coach more recently, 
And yes. I just I would have preferred him over Schwartz. And that that's nothing against Jim Schwartz at all, ladies and gentlemen. Um and Terrell Austin I knew wasn't gonna get the job because if you know the Steelers, you know they like to promote from within when it comes to their coaching staff. So yeah, they don't I like figured it. the writing was on the wall for him to be the new defensive coordinator as soon as Keith Butler retired. Absolutely. Barbara Kelly with the thumbs up. Shout out, Barbara. Thank you very much for watching here tonight. And yeah, so Wink is our new DC. Other topics we have to talk about. Former Giants head coach Joe Judge returns up north to the New England Patriots. And you know what? You know, a lot of people may not like that we're going to talk about this tonight, but good for Joe Judge. Good for Joe Judge because he deserves another job in the NFL and he deserves another chance to build up his coaching resume, in my opinion. Hank and I, you know, weren't really huge on Joe Judge being fired. At the end of the season, it became inevitable and we understood why the Giants did it and the move made sense. But um, I, I think I was a little more conservative in that regard than Hank, but Hank and I were both pro Joe judge people is what we're trying to say. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, basically I, I didn't agree with a lot of Joe judge decisions. I'll be the first to tell you that there were plenty of times where I criticized Joe judge. And I know Tom, you probably did the same thing. However, with that being said, Tom and I are also proof that you can, you can agree that Joe judge handled a lot of may not have handled everything perfectly, but you can also agree that he did get screwed, which to an extent. Yeah, I do think the guy got screwed and you know what? I think he's probably better off going back to new England and maybe coach having another assistant coaching job under bill Belichick and, it's great that he got a new job pretty quickly and hopefully things turn out better for him in his coaching career. It just, it just was a coaching tenure as, as Tom and I have said that I, I guess you could say wasn't really meant to be, you know, unfortunately it was not meant to be. And just watch five years from now, Belichick retires, Joe judge, new head coach of the new England Patriots dominating the NFL. Okay. I don't know if I'd say that just yet. I could see it happening. I think Joe judge is a guy like Josh McDaniels who could get a head coaching job in another five to 10 years or so. I think this is a guy who deserves another opportunity. Joe judge, obviously he spent eight years with new England before the giants hired him as head coach. The Raiders also expressed interest in hiring him as a special teams coordinator since Graham and McDaniels are both, very close to Joe Judge. Graham and Judge were both coaches on the Giants. So, you know, New England decided to bring Joe Judge. And I think it made more sense for Judge to go back to New England because his family was just settling in New Jersey, gets fired after two years. New England's not that far up. He's familiar with the area. It just made geographical sense for him and his family for Joe Judge to go back up there and take that job under somebody he's very familiar with rather than traveling across the country to Las Vegas. Um What's interesting is that they hired Joe Judge as an offensive assistant, and that's probably what he's going to be. He's going to become an offensive coach. And Judge's offense in two straight years with the Giants ranked 31st in the NFL, but that was never entirely Joe Judge's fault, Hank. I think you and I are both in alignment with that, that you know he was dealt a raw card, a lot of injuries on that offensive line, poor drafting by Dave Gettleman, and... Yet Joe Judge inherited a lot of players on the Giants offense that weren't his. He couldn't hire his own OC. Um, He fired 
two coaches midseason, Mark Colombo in 2020, Jason Garrett in 2021. And, of course, the rumor has that he wanted Brian Dable as his OC back in 2020, but the Bills denied the interview request. And look where we are now, two years later. Yeah, it's really funny how things worked out. but Isn't it? Yeah, no. Again, I think him being an offensive specialist, probably not – I wouldn't say that's too bad of a move. Again, like like you said, you he um, you can say what you want about his play calling as a head coach. Well, I don't know. He I know I don't think he really was the main play caller, but you get what I'm trying to say. You can say what you want about his offense, but again, he got screwed. He wasn't drafting guys. He didn't get to. He wasn't the one putting Jason Garrett on his coach staff. You call a spade a spade, essentially. My last comment on Joe Judge: He will once again be a head coach in the NFL. One day. Thank you all very much. Just keep an eye on that name for we'll years see. to come. Hopefully. We'll see. Hang. Okay. <sighs> Love to bicker about that. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about the current Giants coaching staff. More positive things on our agenda for tonight. And I'll run the ticker below with all of the updated names for you that you need to know. A couple just happened today. In fact, the Giants hired three new coaches today. Three. That is huge. The first one was assistant offensive line coach Tony Sperano Jr. That is the son of the late, great Tony Sperano, who passed away three and a half years ago, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He will be the assistant to Bobby Johnson, who is our offensive line coach. Tony Sperano Jr., Hank, he's a guy who I think could, you know, have a nice role with this coaching staff. Um, He was previously with the Carolina Panthers, and he coached under Brian Dable in 2011 when Dable was the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins that one season he was there. Sperano Jr. was there as the offensive quality control coach. Fun fact. Wow. Any thoughts you have on Sperano Jr.? Yeah, I think decent hire and having him under Bobby Johnson. I like that offensive lineman core, that that crew of offensive lineman coach. Definitely a win. Billy Anderson, judge didn't get a fair shake. There's no arguing that at all. Yeah. I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Billy I wish he was still the head coach of this football team, but at the end of the day, he's not. And unfortunately, it is time to move on. And Brian Dable deserves just as fair of a shake as Joe Judge got. And whether we think Joe Judge's shake was fair or not, uh, he's no longer the coach of the Giants. So another assistant that got hired today, Mike Grow, the new wide receivers coach. Now, this is an interesting hire because – I like it a lot. Now, a lot of people thought it would be Adam Henry, who, if you remember, was the wide receivers coach under Ben, who shall not be fully named, when he was our head coach uh, back in 2016 and 2017 when Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham, Roger Lewis, those guys, I think Victor Cruz was still on the roster in 16. Those were still the faces of the Giants receiving court. They did not go with Henry. Instead, they went with Mike Groh. Uh, last year and the year before, he was the wide receivers coach for the Indianapolis Colts. And Hank, 
Notice how Joe Shane and Brian Dable are hiring coaches from outside the organization. They're going after assistants who were on playoff teams, getting Sperano Jr. from the Panthers. All right, well, that, that was a bad example to start off with. But Mike Kafka, Kansas City Chiefs, Wink Martindale, Baltimore Ravens, consistent playoff team outside of this year. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of good assistants that have been hired. Shea Tierney, I mean, Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore. Um, Mike Rowe was also the former offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and he's been a coach in this league since, since 2013, so he has experience. Listing his full experience, he started as the wide receivers coach for the Chicago Bears from 13 to 15 then moved over to the Rams to be their passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach in 2016. In 2017, he was the wide receivers coach for the Eagles. Then he was the OC from 2018 to 2019, and then went to the Colts to be their wide receivers coach the last two seasons. What are your thoughts on this hire? I think this is another good hire. This was someone who had a good hand in how the Eagles offense did for a couple years in the late 2010s. And, Going over to the Colts, you have him joining the staff of Frank Reich. And this is a team that, like, have fundamentally had a decent offense, I think. And like you said, I like the idea that the Giants are going after so many guys from playoff teams. The Colts, I wouldn't. I know the Colts just missed it, but I would probably throw the Colts into that category just for the sheer fact that, for the most part, up until their collapse, they were in that discussion and – Again, I think the real reason I like that they're going and going out outside the organization through like so many different teams is because you're getting a whole mix of new ideas. And again, it represents a lot of change to an organization that, quite frankly, you know, as much as we love the Giants, they have been pretty stale for the past few years. And that's and that I think has pretty much been a big reason that got us into into this mess. I agree full heartedly with that, Hank. And. I'll be honest with you. It sucks. It mm-hmm. sucks. To, it sucks to be a Giants fan right now because we know this team. Steve, is, Steve said it best. I like the way we are putting together this staff. We needed new blood in the building. Yes. Um, speaking of new blood, we're not done yet with new assistant coaches. No. This hire we made today is my favorite hire, and Hank knows exactly <laughs> why it's my favorite yes. hire. Yes, I do. Adam Patterson named our new defensive line coach coming over from the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> and who's on the defensive line for the Minnesota Vikings? Dalvin, Dalvin Tomlinson. Adam Patterson has a rich NFL resume. He comes over from the Minnesota Vikings. He has been there since 2014 as their defensive line coach. He helped develop Everson Griffin. He coached Brian Robeson in the tail end of his career. He helped develop guys like Daniel Hunter, not to mention they've had DJ Wanum develop nicely over the past three years. Afadio Denibo emerged into a decent pass rusher for them, who was briefly on our team in the offseason. Now you're looking at who Minnesota has on that defensive line. Again, they're one of the best defensive lines in all of football. He was not only the defensive line coach, Adam Patterson was also the co-defensive coordinator and the assistant head coach. How many teams do you know, Hank, 
have their defensive line coach as the assistant head coach of the football team. That's very rare. Very rare. This, ladies and gentlemen, was the best coaching hire the Giants have made so far, in my opinion. Um, I am a little biased, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I differ about that. Let me finish my point. Go for it. Go for it. Made me lose my train. Okay. Coach Chaos left, right? All right. Mm -hmm. With the 3-4, the defensive line was fine, but, you know, this year... Coach Chaos wasn't given much to work with because we lost Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, we traded away B.J. Hill, so you're left with Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Austin Johnson. Again, not an ideal uh, group after that depth-wise. It was Danny Shelton and undrafted rookie free agent Raymond Johnson. Not good, right? So now I think you bring in Adam Patterson and you draft, let's say, a Jordan Davis or – uh, Travis Jones out of UConn on day two. You could e- he he will easily develop that player into a solid defensive lineman in the in the NFL, and the Giants' run defense will be back with what it was. And another reason why I like Patterson so much: the Vikings were top five in sacks three out of their last four years, and these weren't covered sacks because if you folks know. The Vikings have one of the worst pass defenses in all of football. So how are these pass rushers getting there? They're beating their matchups. They're beating their assignments. Adam Patterson was doing a good job as the defensive line head coach. The reason why he was on the market is because Mike Zimmer was fired. And again, the the Vikings have not even officially named O'Connell as their head coach. So he was available to go elsewhere. So the Giants snatched him out of Minnesota's back pocket. Job well done, Big Blue. Hank? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't know if I'd call it my favorite hire of the offseason like you are. I mean, I certainly know why you love this hire, but I do agree. The fact that he was an assistant coach for a while and he wasn't even like one of the main defensive coordinators – that speaks volumes to how much of a steal this hire was. So, yes, I think this is definitely a dub. Honestly, I think you could really make the case. You could definitely make a case for Adam Patterson to be one of the best hires. But you really look at the coaching staff. I like hiring Kafka because potentially you could have a young rising star as far as offensive geniuses go. I mean, he coached under one of the best for quite some time and not, and now he's finally getting his chance that he probably would have had anyways, had they had Eric Bieniemy gone on to become a head coach. And you're also getting a defensive coordinator who, as we mentioned is, is has a reputation for being one of the most aggressive play like schemers in the league. There's no, there's really not one coach that I can think of. That's the best hire. There are multiple great hires. And when there are a lot of great hires, I think that gives me something that I haven't had in a long time with this team. You know what that is, Tom? What's that? Hope. That's a very, very broad word, but I love it. And look at Adam Patterson right there. Look at him training up Everson Griffin. This man is intense. Um, I'm just saying that is some sick photo of Patterson right there coaching up Everson Griffin. You see, the Everlast boxing glove on his left paw right Love there. That. So, yeah, 
I also like the Shea Tierney hire. Um, uh, we'll go over a couple others that have happened over the past few days, but there's a look at Adam Patterson. Also, I did not appreciate the message that was sent to me on Twitter about the Giants coaching staff looking like they walked out of White Castle. That was not appropriate. I, re- I really don't appreciate that. Whoever messaged me that on, on Twitter, um, come on. I mean, grow up a little bit. But anyway, as you can see across the ticker, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, and Don Wink Martindale, and Thomas McGoggy are the top four coaches on the roster right now. McGoggy's staying on a special teams coach, and in, I believe Anthony Blevins will be promoted to assistant special teams coach because longtime Giants assistant, head, uh, assistant coach Tom Quinn will not be returning. Tom Quinn has been with the team since 2006. He was the former special teams coordinator, was let go after McAdoo got fired, came back in an assistant special teams role under Matt Shermer and stayed with the Giants ever since. Definitely going to miss Tom Quinn, longtime assistant coach with this team. But when you have a new GM and Joe Shane, I mean, look at the coaches that have been retained on the roster. Thomas McGoggy, Jerome Henderson, and Anthony Blevins. That's been it. So And Mike Trier, the assistant defensive backs coach. Nobody else has stayed. Jody Wright left for South Carolina. Kevin Scherer left, the linebackers coach. He's gone. Coach Chaos and Rob Sell got new jobs. Yeah. There's <laughs> been a lot of turnover for good reason. For good reason. Way, I want to show a comment for a certain someone who we really miss seeing on the show regularly. Hey, it's Sam. Hi, guys. I can't, I can't stay long stopping in to say, hey, love you both. Uh, Sam, we both love you as well. We miss you here on Big Blue Avenue. I cannot wait to do recordings with you over the offseason to talk about the Giants, talk about some of the roster moves, some of these draft prospects coming in, maybe some free agents the Giants sign. You know, Joe Shane did mention he wanted to clean up about $40 million in cap space, even though the Giants are 10 over. So that means that the Giants might be preparing to sign a couple free agents. But who knows? Sam, thank you so much for the comment. We really do appreciate all the work that you've done for us this season and commenting on our season finale show. Um, and Steve, pull up Steve's comments. So I guess Tom is excited about this hire. Yeah, man, take take a look at Adam Patterson. I think you're going to like him a lot. This guy is nuts. Um I personally think he's going to be a beast, and the Giants have good defensive linemen. You, you already have Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, and you just need to draft the big hog, not to quote DG, but to put in the middle of the defensive line in a Jordan Davis potentially. I think that would be a good fit, or you could even argue a Fedarian Mathis or Devontae Wyatt. A defensive tackle is a big need for the Giants, and with the Giants' track record, even though this is a new regime in the front office and coaching staff, they're bound to draft one in the second or third round of this year's NFL draft. You can put money on it right now and be a very rich man or woman come draft night. Just saying, just saying, just saying. (laughs) Um, Shay Tierney, the new quarterbacks coach, previously the Bills assistant quarterbacks coach, follows Brian Dable to New York. 
No running backs coach yet. The Giants offered the Notre Dame running backs coach a big-time contract, but he turned it down to stay with Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame, which I love and hate because I'm a Notre Dame fan, and I really like that guy. Um, his, His name is biting my tongue for some reason. But, I mean, he just took a job at Notre Dame. It's going to be very tough to steer him away from an elite college program and Hank's mom Jamie says I will miss your show during the off season well you know Jamie as we love your comment and we really appreciate it and I'll let Hank have a word with you um I we do plan on holding live streams on YouTube during the off season just not on Facebook we're we're taking a break from Facebook we're going to do mainly recordings on YouTube but we're going to do a live stream here and there when Hank and I can get Sam with us and we'll we'll have some guests on during the off season. Thank you so much for the comment, mom. I appreciate your support for the two seasons that we have been doing the show. And without a doubt, you are by far my biggest fan of this, not even just of this show, but in real life in general. So mom, thank you so much. Very, very cool moment there. Um, thank you very much, Jamie. I do appreciate that. I will follow. Oh, I will follow you wherever you go. That's right, Hank. Wise words of a mother right there. I really appreciate it. She's the best. And Andy Bischoff named the new Giants tight end coach. Again, this is a guy who came over with a little bit of experience, uh, was the tight ends coach under Dave Cully with the Houston Texans. We talked a little bit about him in the previous video. Um, on our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue. But Bischoff has a decent track record in the NFL. Um, He was also – so he was the assistant tight ends coach for the Ravens from 2018 to 2020 and was an offensive assistant for them from 2016 to 2017. Look at the way the Ravens tight ends have developed the last few years. Mark Andrews all of a sudden this year – Mark Andrews was the number two tight end statistically in football behind um, Travis Kelsey. And a lot of that is thanks to Andy Bischoff helping him develop. Even though Bischoff wasn't there this year, he was with Houston. I like this hire as well. I really do. I know Derek Dooley's not coming back. I liked him too, but I really like this Andy Bischoff hiring for sure. Yeah. Definitely another win in my book, for sure. Another win. And We we spoke about Bobby Johnson, new O-line coach, Tony Sperano Jr., assistant O-line coach, no linebackers coach yet. It's been rumored that Rob Ryan might be the inside linebackers coach and Drew Wilkins might be coming over from Baltimore as the outside linebackers coach. Dear God, um... I'll give Rob a chance if they hire him, but I'll be the first to I'll I'll be the first to tell you. I don't want Rob Ryan here. I'd rather have his brother, but even then I'd still say no to that family. I don't want Rob Ryan a part of the Giants organization. That will just feel weird on so many levels. And this is why I was leaning Vic Fangio more towards uh more him towards more him than Wink. That was my 
philosophy behind that. I, I was a bigger fan of Fangio's assistants when he was with the Bears than Winks when he was with the Ravens, but these are still good assistants, except for Rob Ryan. Um, yeah. Jerome Henderson staying on as the DB coach, Mike Trier staying on as the assistant DB's coach, and Laura Young coming over over from the Buffalo Bills, the director of coaching operations. Shout out to Laura Young. I know we talked a little bit about her last week. Um, but, yeah, it was weird this week with all the coaching stuff going on. We were told Tom Quinn's not coming back. Everybody was like, uh, Adam Henry's going to be the new wide receiver coach. It wasn't him. It was Mike Rowe. Um, I don't know. And then it was also rumored, Hank, I don't know if you read this, Brian Cox might be joining Wink Steph as the defensive line coach. And I was concerned. I'm like, this guy hasn't coached in the NFL since 2016. Why would they go after him? But then it just turns around. They go and they hired their new defensive line coach, Adam Patterson. So I was much more pleased with that than Brian Cox. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would have been interesting to say the least. But at the end of the day, I think we know, I think we ended up winning that hire. And I'm not saying that because for the same reason that you are necessarily. No, of course. Also, Davis Webb returns to the Giants from the Buffalo Bills, uh, signed to a future reserves deal. Yeah, that guy. And they gave him a bonus. So Davis Webb could be the third-string QB next season. And personally, I would not hate it because Davis Webb, when he was drafted in the third round in 2017 by Jerry Reese, he was rumored to be the eventual successor of Eli Manning. That and we failed miserably. I hate even thinking about that time. Because the Giants went on to draft Kyle Lawletta in the following draft. We all know what happened there. Another failed successor attempt of Eli Manning. Then three years in a row, the Giants draft a quarterback in one of the first few rounds, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is now the quarterback of the New York Giants. For now. For now. Yeah, for now. Also, it wasn't just David Webb that was signed. They signed a punter, former Cleveland Brown, Jamie Gillen, to a futures deal. Uh I didn't mention that Webb also spent the last three seasons on Buffalo's practice squad, so it made sense. Shane wants familiarity coming over from Buffalo, but Jamie Gillen is a punter, and Talking Giants put up statistics that his stats were very similar to Riley Dixon. Personally, I don't want the Giants to release Riley Dixon. I think him and Gillen should have a camp battle for the punter position. I think that would be healthy competition. But I won't be happy if they cut Riley Dixon. I think you could extend him for one year to free up some money and then cut him if he doesn't win the job in training camp. But at least give Riley Dixon an opportunity to fight for the job in training camp. And personally, I don't think Riley Dixon was a big part of the problem. People were down on him this year because his average numbers were down. The Giants were backed up in their own territory more often than not this year. And a lot of their core special teams players were out and missed a lot of the season. They were missing a lot of blockers out there. Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown missed a couple games. Nate Ebner w- was a big piece of the special teams unit. They were without him. 
So, you know, to throw all that blame on Riley Dixon is a little ridiculous. And um, I wouldn't touch the three special teamers that we have, Gano, Kreider, and Dixon. I wouldn't touch that. Plus, nobody's ever complaining about field goals, how the hold is bad. Um, you know, nobody's ever complaining about that. And Dixon and Kreider played together in Denver. Why would you mess that up? If it ain't broke, don't no. fix it. The only reason why people are talking about this is because Riley Dixon is due around $3 million this season. And who the hell wants to pay $3 million for a punter? That's a fair argument. But at the same time, I don't think we should cut him. There's, a, there's, there's another way to work around it. You could give Dixon a one-year extension and make him battle it out in training camp. That would be the smart thing to do, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I love me some Big Red. I don't want it. I don't want him to go yet. When did they start giving out futures deals? I missed this. Steve, it was earlier this week they started giving out uh, futures deals. I'll share the article. I'll share my screen with you now. It was an article written by John Fennelly here on Yahoo Sports. Um, I'm just going to unpin your comment here and get rid of this dan duggan says the giants gave some real guaranteed money to quarterback davis webb and punter jamie gillen in their futures contracts webb received a fifty thousand dollar signing bonus and gillen received a one hundred thousand dollar signing bonus per source it's not the type of signing bonus that guarantees them a roster spot but it's more than the typical futures contract for instance the next highest signing bonus for a Giants futures contract this offseason is 10000 for running back Antonio Williams, who was the first player that Joe Shane signed. That was actually Joe Shane's first move as general manager. Trent Harris got $0. Webb was a third-round selection of the Giants out of California in 2017, um, who was inked a, a one-year deal worth $1 million. $895,000 cap hit while Gillen was signed to a one-year deal worth $895,000. Um, yeah. I mean, they want to fix the backup quarterback problem. So I can't blame them for going after Davis Webb, not saying he's going to be our backup quarterback, but at worst, the third string quarterback is it's already an upgrade over Jake from I'll tell you that much. I personally don't hate this move at all. But speaking of the front office, let's get into the front office because we have some news there. The Giants have a new assistant general manager. Brandon Brown was hired late last week to be the new assistant GM under Joe Shane. He is most recently the Eagles co-director of player personnel. Brandon Brown had interviewed for the Vikings general manager job. And fun fact, he played high school at St. Anthony's on Long Island and was a defensive back at Fordham University. He broke into the NFL as a pro personnel intern in 2012 with the Jets, worked at Boston College for two years, then spent two years with the Colts, five years with the Eagles. He started in Philly as the assistant director of pro scouting in 2019, then got promoted to director of pro scouting. And then this past season promoted to director of player personnel. 
Brandon Brown will replace longtime assistant Kevin Abrams, who held this position for the past 20 years. Hank, first off, your thoughts on Brandon Brown being the new assistant GM and Kevin Abrams staying with this new role, now the assistant to the assistant. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I love, again, they went outside the box. They went with the guy. I don't even just like it because of the fact that they raided a rival in the Philadelphia Eagles. I love it because, again, it's another young mind. And actually, as a matter of fact, if you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, they have had a lot of executives leave and go on to higher-powered jobs in other places. Joe Douglas is an example. He's now the GM for the New York Jets. Andrew Barry, Ian Cunningham, and Patrick Stewart, to name to name a few others. And yeah, I, I think this I think this hiring can only be a good thing. And another some more food for thought. He's been in the NFC East for the past five years. He probably has some insider information, not just about the Philadelphia Eagles, but about everybody else that could very well help not so much Joe Shane, but maybe the Giants as a whole. So there's nothing bad I can really say about this hire except for the and all I really can think of is it's it's a young mind who's helping out another young mind as general manager. I think it's a great thing. And as far as Kevin Abrams go, I was legitimately surprised to see he was even willing to be demoted because he'd been with the Giants for what, 24, 25 years. He was their assistant GM for 20 years. And yeah, no, to quote Dwight Schrute from the office, or to paraphrase Dwight Schrute from the office, he is now assistant to assistant to the regional, well, actually general manager, but those who watch the show that I'm talking about, you know what I mean? Yep. That I do. Um, (laughs) But back to Brandon Brown, it's interesting. He replaces Kevin Abrams, but he's among many Eagles executives to be promoted to higher positions for other teams. You look at Joe Douglas, as you mentioned, Andrew Berry. uh, You pretty much mentioned all the names already, Hank. But Mm -hmm. the Giants needed to hire a young mind to help fix things, not a salary cap specialist in Kevin Abrams, a salary cap specialist who put us $10 over the cap. Heading into 2022, he was thinking short-term and not long-term, which is a problem and has made life a lot more difficult on Joe Shane, which is why they've had to hire a coaching staff rather quickly than most other teams, which is good in a way, but it's also bad in a way because you immediately have to start thinking about how you're going to free up money to sign these 9 to 11 draft picks. Shane kept saying 11, which is why I said 9 to 11. Um we're probably getting two comp picks. I don't know, but it's interesting. It is very interesting. Um, it's crazy how Abrams just willingly gave up his role. I mean, I wouldn't have done that if I was him, but kudos to him, I guess. I mean, I will say this though. Shane did say that he was willing to have him stick around and help him. He, he knows that Abrams very well could be an asset and, You know, again, when you think about it, it does beg a question, though. How much of the offseason moves were really a fact, were really had to do with Kevin Abrams when you really look at who the guy, who Joe Shane's predecessor was? Fair. That's very fair. 
again, I'm not saying that Abrams isn't at fault. I mean, look, he obviously got demoted for a reason, but still, he has oh. the experience that could very well help the other guys in the room. We have a report coming in now trying to figure out if this is accurate or not before I announce it. So this was posted a few minutes before we went live by the Tennessean via Yahoo. Vanderbilt linebackers coach John Igorogu to take job with New York Giants. Vanderbilt linebackers coach John Igorgu is expected to leave the Commodores for the New York Giants. Before coaching, before joining Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, Igorgu spent six years in the NFL. He worked with the Buffalo Bills as a defensive quality control coach for four years. Brian Dable, the Bills offensive coordinator from 2018 to 2021, was recently named head coach of the Giants. With Igorgu leaving, the Commodores will have lost every defensive assistant, yada, yada, yada. I'd imagine Igorgu is coming in as the linebackers coach. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I have to look this guy up quickly. Uh, again, I, I, I know nothing about him, so I'm about to find out what position he was when he was with the Bills. It doesn't really say. He's not well known. I think he was the linebacker's coach. On mine. Uh, assistant linebacker's coach. So he was an assistant linebacker's coach with the Bills. I'd imagine he's the Giants' new linebackers coach. I mean, yeah, it's one of the few vacancies we have. <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody wants Abram Steves. Nobody wants to touch that man at all. Um, we're kind of stuck with him in a sense. You know, the Maras like him, so he's staying. But uh, we'll let you know when we get confirmation on that if it happens during the live show. But now we're going to talk about Joe Shane's NFL draft approach. And the reason why we're going to talk about this tonight is because he did a quick interview with John Schmelk that was aired this week while Shane was attending the senior bowl on how he would approach the NFL draft. And there was a really cool video that was posted of the Buffalo bills war room back in 2019, when Shane was the assistant GM under Brandon Bean under Brandon Bean and currently half the Giants coaching staff was in that war room with Joe Shane making draft picks for the Buffalo Bills. It was a very interesting video, and it outlined how the Buffalo Bills went about their drafts. And the reason why we're talking about this now is because this will likely affect the Giants heading into the 2022 NFL draft. So the first thing that Joe Shane mentioned in his interview with John Schmelk is that he wants to have more swings when it comes to picks, he believes that's a good thing. Shane did not rule out moving up for first round value with the Giants second round pick, but given the Giants status, having more opportunities to make more picks is better at this stage. In other words, keep an eye on potential trade downs if they cannot, if, if they can find a partner. So if the Giants can find a trade down partner, they're trading down. Um, if they think there's a player at number seven that they could get, at, let's say, 11 or 12, they're going to trade down and get more draft capital, right? Um, you're keeping that number five pick no matter what. But if there's somebody at seven 
that maybe isn't the best value pick at number seven, you know we're trading down. Oh. Do not do not be surprised. Oh, Tom, I've had that kind of I've had that feeling like for a while, probably since he became the GM. Like not even so much when he came, like really just logically, you know. I think maybe that seventh pick could be traded and could get a lot of capital in return. And hey, who knows? Maybe that that trade down could very well be the one that solves your problem at quarterback, assuming that Daniel Jones is not the answer. Let's knock on wood. That's not the case, but I'm not optimistic about, I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely optimistic about Daniel Jones chances like in the long run, but yeah, no, for sure. I think that's a really great approach and having, and I think with the way the giants have been run over the past, I want to say half decade, really like close to a whole decade. Yeah, I agree with him. I think it really is important to have as much as much swings as possible to try to right the ship and fill some needs. And I see we have a comment from uh, Noah Dibler, our good buddy. Good work this season, boys. Hopefully this dumbass Rob Manfred will get off his ass and we can get baseball in time to distract us from our crappy football teams. Unless you're Okay, I'm not going to read that last sentence out of respect for Tom. but Unless you're Tom and you're a Mets fan and your team sucks in baseball too. <laughs> okay, regardless, Noah, we appreciate your support. You've been awesome. You've been one of our biggest fans. And I love that you're rocking that awesome hoodie. And, hey, Noah, at least all three of us have good hockey to watch. I'll tell you that. And at least all three of us feel the same way about the Mets. <laughs> that they saw. Okay, I don't know if they're a 65 win team like you told me they were, but I'm I'm not high on them either. All right. The second point to Joe Shane's NFL draft approach. Shane said he values players at premium positions because he knows they are very difficult to find and very expensive to sign in free agency. For example, Dave Gettleman overspent on Nate Solder, he overspent on Kenny Galladay, Adoree Jackson, just to name a few. Expect Shane to target the following positions in the draft. Offensive tackle, pass rusher, cornerback, wide receiver with premium picks. So this isn't saying that the Giants are only going to draft one of these four positions early on in the draft. That doesn't mean they draft a defensive tackle or draft a tight end or an inside line. That doesn't mean that that's not going to happen. What it means is that these positions are going to be most valued in the draft, regardless of where they select them, because you want to have as much depth as possible at these positions. And it's very important that you find the right players. For instance, Joe Shane traded up to get Dawson Knox back in the 2019 draft. They traded up for him in the third round. They viewed him as a premium player. Now he's a tight end. He's not a wide receiver, but that's what they did. They also drafted Gabe Davis in 2020. He was either a fourth or fifth round pick premium position that doesn't mean they're getting drafted in round one or round two that means 
they're likely going to draft one at least of every single one of those four positions, which I like to hear. Um, so I guess we'll move on to the third approach for Shane. He said testing and measurements will matter. Working with coaches, Shane will have an idea what he wants players at certain positions to look like and how they should test. He will have thresholds at certain positions, and if a player does not meet those requirements, or those thresholds, I should say, then Shane will have to see a skill that will allow that player to overcome what they're lacking. So, for instance, um, if an offensive tackle has short arms, they have to make up for it in another area. Are they good on combo blocks? Are they quick off their feet? Can they pancake guys on the first and second level? How are they how are they going to make up for their wingspan issues? Right? That's why Chris Snee was a guard in the NFL and not a tackle, because they called Chris Snee baby alligator arms. And he made a nice career for himself at right guard. So these are just some methods, folks, on what Joe Shane's draft approach might look like. This is not a guarantee saying that this is what's going to happen. Um, but I guarantee if you're watching this video and you're interested in what the Giants draft approach might look like in 2022, you should research the YouTube video, Buffalo Bills 2019 draft, and see what goes down between Shane and Bean in that draft. And it, it really, it's about a 10-minute video, 10 to 20-minute video, I believe. And it really does a nice job outlining how the Bills went about that draft and why they're as good as they are now. A couple comments. Steve says, we need depth bad. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, we need depth bad. Book it. The Mets will eat. All right. Well, I'm not entertaining that. Um, I right, love though. the I love the joke about Notre Dame with you, but I'll do a voodoo dance for Atlanta to trade up for Kyle Hamilton. I'm just saying, I don't know if Hamilton's dropping out of the top 10, Noah. Your team won too many games this year to get Kyle Hamilton, at least in my opinion. Let's give our viewers a visual on what Joe Shane's draft might look like since he was assistant GM with the Buffalo Bills. First, I'm going to show the screenshot of the Bills draft picks from 2017 to 2018, and we'll examine what we see in this image. So I apologize if this is a little small. We'll start off below with 2017. Out of those seven players they drafted, three of them are still impact players on their roster. Tredavious White is on his second contract. He is the top 10 corner in the league when healthy. Deion Dawkins, left tackle, who was drafted as a guard. They drafted him in the second round, and he got a contract extension last year. Matt Milano was extended last season as well. Inside linebacker, Buffalo's defense is much better when he's on the field. They found their best inside linebacker in the fifth round. What does that tell you? doesn't necessarily matter where you take a guy. It's about getting value out of your draft picks. That's just a good example. Now, 
2018 isn't the best look because they drafted Wyatt Teller, and now he's one of the best guards in the league for Cleveland. But if you look at the first four picks, right, two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick, all four of those players are still on the roster. And three of those guys start. One of them is a good role player. That's what you want. Harrison Phillips is a great defensive tackle. Tremaine Edmonds, another great inside linebacker, paired next inside with Matt Milano. And Josh Allen, we don't even need to speak about. Top three, four quarterback in the NFL. Probably top three now that Brady's retired. So Hank already, this is just a great example of what Joe Shane has done in Buffalo over his first two years as assistant GM next to Brandon Bean. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's really done a good job hitting on a lot of his picks. And that's not even getting into some of his later picks, like one of the seals that you mentioned, trading up to get Dawson Knox, really good tight ends. There's a reason that you're, you see Buffalo playing late into the season and in, well into the playoffs. This guy is a really good talent evaluator and – a lot of these guys on a lot of these guys here, a good a good amount of these guys are still making an impact on the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, let's go down to 2019. Ed Oliver, starting defensive tackle. Cody Ford, starting guard. Devin Singletary, starting running back in the third round, by the way. Not number two overall. Yep. Dawson Knox traded up for him in the third round. Starting tight end top 10, 12 tight end in, in the league right now after this season. You know, um, 2020, Gabe Davis, fourth-round pick. Look at him now. Zach Moss, good complimentary back. Now, they didn't have a first-round pick in this draft. A.J. Epinesa is still developing a little bit. But Tyler Bass is their starting kicker. So I think they had four good draft picks in that draft. Jake Fromm didn't really make it. Isaiah Hodgins. I think Dane Jackson is still on the roster slash practice squad guy, but he's a seventh-round pick. You're not always going to hit on your seventh-round pick. That's a crapshoot. Yeah. And we look at this past year, Greg Rousseau, round one, defensive line. Carlos Basham, round two, defensive line. Spencer Brown, third-round tackle. Spencer Brown is now starting at right tackle for the Buffalo Bills. Tommy Doyle, good depth, good depth piece, and none of those other guys are starting. Those are strictly reserves. But look at the trend from 2019 onward. Look who they've drafted with their first pick in each draft. Trenches, defensive line. That's where they were lacking, ladies and gentlemen. That's where they were lacking. They couldn't stop the run. That was their biggest problem. They got their quarterback in Josh Allen. But they started to focus on the defensive line. They drafted Deion Dawkins in 2017. Cornerstone left tackle piece. They signed a stopgap veteran, Mitch Morrison, free agency. They drafted Cody Ford. They drafted Spencer Brown. They focused on what their weakness was. And they built it the right way. And that's why the Bills have won 24 games in the last two regular seasons. 
there's really nothing much more to talk about than that when it comes to <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Good thing for Giants fans is Buffalo sucked when Bean and Shane helped turn them around, and anyone is better than Gettleman. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Buffalo was in deep shit. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. They were in deep shit when they came in, but they fixed the problems. They they took the adversity they were dealt with and embraced it. They truly embraced it. And that's why I love Joe Shane and even Brandon Bean as well because of what they did to a historically losing franchise over the past two decades. And the Giants don't want to become that same franchise that Buffalo became. Because that would be gut-wrenching for a lot of people, especially two people right here. Thanks for that comment, Noah. Hank, anything you wanted to add on that? I think it's incredible how much of a turnaround they've had. I think really, I think the one thing you can take away from those draft records are any team in a bad spot can turn things around. It just takes a really smart football mind to execute them. And again, I'm going to use that word again, hope. That's what, that's what a lot of these new, outside hires give me hope and that's really something that as a Giants fan I mean I truly haven't had in quite some time and maybe I'll have more of that feeling but all I know is I just feel absolutely a lot of a lot of what I'm seeing makes me feel absolutely refreshed about the series of events that have happened this offseason now don't get me wrong. There's still a little bit of a skeptical side inside of me because I'm so used to a lot of, not really so much with the Giants, but like with a lot of my teams lately. I've, I have a lot of, I've been seeing a lot of negative stuff happen. So, of course, I'm going to have that little bit of skepticism. So, forgive me for that. But at the very least, it's a start. And Tom, do you remember what I asked for the, all I really asked for the Giants to be in the next few years? relevant What's that yeah. watchable that's it not super bowl contender not even super bowl champion i've experienced super bowl champions and i and believe me i love that feeling and i'm sure i can speak the same for you too but when you've been so bad for so long the first thing you really have to hope for is just to be watchable you got you got to start small 100 by the way fun fact about mike Rowe. Yes. His father, Al, joined the Giants coaching staff under Bill Parcells and served as the Giants linebackers coach in 1980 and 1999. That included Big Blue's Super Bowl 25 season. He was also defensive coordinator in 1991 after Bill Belichick left. Fun fact about Mike Rowe's father. Um, and he also coached the Jets for one year in 2000. Correct. Did you know this, by the way, before I brought up Micro? Yes, I did. I, mm-hmm. I know he had, No, the reason he was on the Jets was because of his connections to Bill Parcells. And he was actually but the coach because you know why he coached the Jets, right? Because Belichick turned down the job. 
Correct. And left. He pretty much yep. put them in a ditch and they were no. left with. Yeah. And then afterwards, Al Groh was known for being a big cheese at, um, I think it was Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I did actually know that he was a part of the Giants for a long time. It's crazy. It's It really is crazy how history goes back and how you get all these connections and everything. But the Giants have three new coaches today, and pretty much the last thing we're going to talk about is um, a couple of PFFs, NFL draft sleepers, that I think will um, mesh well with the Giants. Um, there's three guys in particular and the first name I want to discuss is Calvin Austin. The third out of Memphis played 12 games in 2021, had eight touchdowns over 1100 receiving yards. And he's only five feet, seven inches tall. He, he's pretty much another Kadarius Tony. He broke 14 tackles this year. He dominated at the, at the senior bowl has elite track speed and quickness. Um, so what really stuck out to me about his senior bowl highlights, since we're going to be studying a lot of senior bowl prospects this year leading up to the draft, is that Austin had a big nine catch, 105 yard receiving game against Mississippi State and a 94 yard punt return. Those were a couple of the reasons why he was invited to the senior bowl, plus his ability to create separation. Can I talk a little bit about that punt return, if I may? You may. Because I watched that highlight actually when I saw the name. It was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen. Guy punts it. It's down. It looks like they're downing it at the six-yard line. The guy, the guys in Mississippi State just leave it alone. They think the play is dead. All of a sudden, Calvin Austin comes out of nowhere. He picks the ball up, and he goes all the way in for a touchdown. 94 yards. Unreal. And if you watch the clip, I want – if you have a chance to watch that clip, I strongly recommend you do because there's a big metaphor in that clip. Never, ever, ever give up. Like if you look at it, just when you look like a play is dead, you never know when something crazy can happen. That's one of the most heads up plays I have ever seen. And I was absolutely like mind blown by it when I watched it. So I, I just – I put that there. I thought that was something worth noting. And, yeah, I think this guy – he could honestly – he very well could be better than Kerry Stoney. We don't, we don't even know. But I like what I've seen out of him in the few highlights that I did watch of him over the past week. 100%. Next up, we're going to discuss the tight end Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. Last week we talked a lot about tight ends and Trey McBride. Jake Ferguson and Charlie Kohler, just to name a few. But Isaiah Likely is a name that I really like a lot, Hank, because he comes from a lower-name school, 13 games, 12 touchdown receptions, and over 900 yards from the tight end spot. He was graded top three in receiving nationally each of the last two seasons and had a 91.1 receiving grade at the Senior Bowl practices. So I think what's big about him as a tight end, which is something tight ends like Evan Ingram is missing, He's a polished route runner and has great ball skills. I think that's something that we all thought Evan Ingram would be able to develop on and improve upon entering the NFL, but unfortunately he was unable to do it. Um, Yeah, likely I've saw some of his highlights too. He didn't have one in particular, 
that stood out of me. And if you look at the clips of him at first glance, he doesn't necessarily look like a stereotypical tight end. He's not like a, a huge guy, but you know, another important characteristic he has seems to me like he's a sure-handed tight end, which again, I think, you know, where I'm kind of going with that. I do. That I do. I yeah. do like likely, by the way. I really no, do. he's talented. I think hopefully if he can become a better blocker, we'll see. But I definitely see him as being a potential diamond in the rough. Hundred percent. Um Noah says the Giants draft Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean. As much as I would love that, I don't think it's gonna happen. I think it's more likely they could take Nicobe Dean if they stay at number seven or if they trade down. I don't know if they're going it, to – it's it's rough because I think the Giants have needs in so many different areas, right? They need offensive line, right? They need a tackle. They need a center. They could use a guard. They need a tight end. They need a receiver. They need everything. So it's <laughs> likely makes Evan Ingram look like a discount bear Pasco. That's a good He's one. saying that because Pasco once played for the Atlanta Falcons after leaving for the Giants. So Noah making that little Giants-esque friendly reference right there. Of course he does. <laughs> what if Bear Pasco came out of retirement? I'd, I'd still probably take him over what we currently have. He's only 35. Again, I'd still probably take him over what we currently have. Still better than Toy Lolo. Yeah, when Dave Gettleman restructured Levine Toy Lolo, I wanted to have a fit. Also, another former Falcons tight end. So thank you very much, Noah, for that. Um, That was literally one of the weirder moves that he made, but we don't talk about him. I missed this essay he wrote. One thing I think rebuilding teams do way too much that bites them in the ass is picking up guys that made their name on already well-established teams. Example. McDaniels to the Raiders. McDaniels is a nobody without Tom Brady. Failed in Denver and spent the first round around Tim Tebow. He's a Brady product, in my opinion. Next to no resume with Adam. Giants are far better taking a guy like Shane that has a proven track record of helping turn a rebuilding team around than taking some assistant from a team before they got there. You know what's ironic that you mentioned Tim Tebow was he won his playoff game after McDaniels got fired. That tells you how bad of a coach he was. I have no idea. Um, it, it's just it, – it, it's well, while, be, while you're processing this, he also says Toilolo is an embarrassment to amateur tech. That he is. <laughs> I won't dispute that. Yeah, it's unbelievable the way Dave Gettleman has handed out contracts the last few years um, to some of these awful, atrocious players. Last player I want to discuss tonight, we talked about him last week, is Travis Jones, defensive lineman out of UConn, and you're going to keep hearing his name. And everyone that I know is going to be like, oh, look what happened last time the Giants drafted a player out of UConn. He's barely got any action his first two years in the NFL. That is Matt Parrott. 
But Travis Jones is different. In 11 games this year, he displayed his brute strength, earning a top five overall grade among interior defensive linemen across the nation. 87.6, had four and a half sacks, seven and a half tackles for the loss. He's 6'4", 326 pounds, and earned a 92.2 pass rush grade for a guy who's over 325 pounds and led his entire position, that being interior defensive line, in pass rush win rate at 42.5%, and he was graded the most dominant pass rusher at the Senior Bowl for his position. He beat out Jordan Davis. He beat out Fedarian Mathis, Devontae Wyatt, you name it. He was better than all of those guys. Watch out for Travis Jones on day two of this year's NFL draft. He could be a second rounder. I mean, his stock has improved drastically, Hank. I know we talked about him a little bit last week, but, man, is he just an exciting young prospect. Um, Yes, I saw some clips of him, too. Again, absolutely phenomenal. Could definitely see him being a major upgrade to the edge. Bring Kevin Ball. I, I would also take him over a lot of, especially yeah. Levinson. <laughs> I'll tell you, man. You know this makes you appreciate guys like Kevin Boss, Jeremy Shockey, even Jake Ballard had a decent year. I know he got injured and never really played again after that but he he was pretty solid and without jake ballard i don't think they win that second super bowl okay this i don't agree with but <laughs> that's that's for me right. sonoris moss that that's a name that you got to go like two decades back to talk about he was not good he he was nothing like his brother Noah. is that guy even on the roster during Super Bowl 42 I don't think so he might have been he might have been like a reserve to the reserves or if like he was he would have been way too deep on the depth chart yeah I mean it, the the fact that Tyree was playing over him and was dropping every pass that week tells you all you need to know about Sonoris Moss as an NFL player so all right folks well Hank unless you got anything to add. This is going to wrap up the season of Big Blue Avenue live streams on Facebook. Hank, I'll give you the floor here if you want to make a final statement. Tom, as always, I want to thank you again for having me each and every week. It is an absolute pleasure talking Giants football. And as always, I just can't appreciate you more for bringing me into the fold. You have been a lot of fun to talk to, and I can't wait to keep doing this next season and in years beyond, especially when the Giants are a good team again. And, yeah, that's about all I have have to say. Thanks, Tom. And to all our fans, thank you. Without you guys, you are what helps run this show, and I appreciate every one of your support. Yeah, Hank, you couldn't have phrased that any better. 23 episodes, two seasons now on Facebook Live. This has been an awesome time. The guests we've had on, License Plate Guy, The Entertainer, Talking Giants, Bad Dog, you name it. I mean, the list goes on. The real football fans of New Jersey, they always they retweet our shows every week now. We've developed a lot of good relationships over these past two years 
with people on Big Blue Avenue. And we're going to continue to do YouTube videos very frequently. Hank and I have been pounding those out. We're probably going to cut the Sperano Jr., Grow, and Patterson uh, segment and post that up on our Big Blue Avenue YouTube channel tonight to break down the three new assistants the Giants hire just to get that out of the way. But, um, again, you know, you guys are awesome. Eagles suck. This is, this is this is very factual. You can't throw an Eagles suck comment without there. And our week three guest, Noah Dibler, was phenomenal. <laughs> he, he, he was phenomenal. I think, yeah, no, amazing. He comes on week three, and then he comes on to a, another baseball show. I, I may have heard of it. It's called Hitting for the Cycle. Got to talk about his Braves a lot on, on the way to a world championship. So I think he probably knew what he was talking about on that show, too. He's with us in week three. He's still with us in week 23. But, folks, that is going to do it for season two of Big Blue Avenue. If you have not already, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Instagram page, at Big Blue Avenue, to keep up to date with us throughout the course of the offseason. We'll be posting content out there. We'll be doing videos with Sam. Uh, we might do an occasional Facebook Live special once in a while if something big happens. Um, And then, of course, Hank and I will still be doing live streams, just not Giants exclusive live streams for Big Blue Avenue. Hank and I will be on our Super Bowl preview show Sunday at 9 a.m. with Kyle Russo and Fonz DeFalco here on the Review and Preview Sports Facebook page and YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to both of those pages as well. If you have not already, obviously we do broadcast our Facebook live streams for Big Blue Avenue on Review and Preview Sports. So make sure to go check us out and all of our other shows as well. 9 a.m. Super Bowl preview. Gotta love it. I'm very excited for that. But, Hank, cheers to the next step. The next step being the future of the New York football giants. That's going to be the theme for 2022 is taking that next step towards – being a respectable, well-groomed football team, rebuild properly, build through the chen- uh, build through the trenches, and develop a winning football team once again. One last time, thank you all very much for watching. And without further ado, let's go Big Blue. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. <laughs>